So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. I love the smell of nightclub in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We're coming to you live from the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. But your, your voice of sports is... The sports cage. Sorry, I've been locked up in a room for like an hour doing like seven interviews in an hour because I'm doing some interviews tomorrow that are sitting in the chair substituting for yours truly. It was supposed to be Pedro, Pete Pasco, that's my nickname for him, and Sean Kleisinger, but Zinger is still feeling the effects of COVID. It is real, folks, for some people in terms of getting over it, and he has been struggling, so he's just taken a couple of days off to try to get everything right because health is most important, and then he'll be back, hopefully, to operate the Rough Rider game on Saturday. So we've had to juggle our lineup. Pete Pasco and Nolan Cole will do the Ram game on RM2. Nolan is the play-by-play voice of the Estevan Bruins normally, but he's coming down for that game. And then we've got Regina Pats hockey, too. And we also <clears throat> see Zinger's a bit of a Swiss Army knife, and so is Nick Kachmar, the pride of Ituna. This guy's a midday announcer. He does... Some music scheduling sometimes. This guy is, uh, was a operator and a swing announcer in Yorkton for eight years. And now he's here and he's helping out on the other side of the board. So send your text to him. He'll pass them on to me. 936-6262, our text line. It is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. All our guests come to you via <clears throat> the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Okay, let's get into some sports talk. The show brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the promo code CKRM and you can choose from a bunch of different promo options. I did myself. I'm going to make some bets here in a little bit uh, when we're on commercial break. If we ever get to commercial break, for gosh sakes. All right. Enough whining, ballsy. Guys, ready for some fun? Let's talk some sports and then get into some lighthearted fun, too. Because we're not just all about sports. We're humans around here, not just <laughs> sports nerds. Uh, for you fantasy football players out there, and we will have a betting segment there with our friend uh, Andy McNamara around 4.30. Um, Jamar Chase, their outstanding receiver, former LSU Tiger, out four to six weeks with a hip injury. So keep that in mind. Tonight, there's Thursday Night Football. Brady and the Bucks aim to rebound against... Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. The Bucks are three and four. The Ravens are four and three. There's a lot of four and three, three and four, two and four. A lot of crappy football teams. A lot of middle of the pack football teams. I, it, the, the the league is really going down this year. Well, well, should they go to five downs then? Because wasn't that the problem with the CFL? We need to go to four downs. Maybe the NFL needs to go to five downs. Five downs, so we can have one extra down of crappy football. 
Crazy. So anyway, uh, Brady's trying to avoid his first three-game losing streak since losing skid. Sorry, I wrecked my own rule. First three-game losing skid since uh, I think he was, uh, I think the two, I want to say the 2003 season or something like that. Something crazy like that for Tom Brady as a quarterback in the NFL. All right. Now we want to get to uh, the NHL Tonight, the Edmonton Oilers coming off a 3-1 win over the Chicago Blackhawks or over the uh, St. Louis Blues are in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. Maple Leafs are at the Sharks. They're coming off a loss in Vegas. Habs were dumped by Minnesota. They're in Buffalo tonight. Canucks trying to get off the schneid in Seattle to take on the Kraken. The Jets, a 4-0 win over the Blues last time they were out. They're in Los Angeles to take on the Kings. And the Minnesota Wild going up against the Ottawa Senators. That's your NHL action. Dan Clark was named the Jake Goddard Award nominee. That's for the best community service leader. Uh, He is one of nine because there's eight others across the league. So Dan Clark, the Riders nominee, the Jake Goddard Award. Uh, Jake Goddard, great former commissioner in the CFL. Okay, let's get to some fun here while we can. Uh, This was interesting. It went viral. Uh, A coal miner got some attention at the University of Kentucky basketball game for rushing to the arena after a day of work, still covered in dust so he could make the game and watch his son. Coach John Calipari, he had this to say. I've done some things that have been fulfilling for my wife and I, but this... You're bringing light to a good man, a hardworking Kentuckian, a coal miner who does everything he can to make time for his family and his son and his daughter. Come on. That's what it ends up being. That's the story. It was a great scene. It was a great story. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why you should never bathe because you get Attention like that. What a good father. He rushed. He didn't even bathe. Maybe he was lazy at a beer, forgot his son at a game. I'm joking. But. Nick, and everybody else out there, here's why you don't bathe. The world's dirtiest man died this past Sunday at the age of 94 in Iran. He believed that soap and water would make him sick. But a few months ago, he was finally convinced to wash for the first time in decades. And then he died. No word on the cause of death yet, but you don't bathe right there. The defense rests. A man found a wedding band in the English Channel recently and somehow, miraculously, tracked down the owner. Gets it to her. Hey, ma'am, I think this is your ring. You know what she did? I don't want it back. Throw it back where you found it. I threw it in the ocean on purpose because of a bad divorce. So there you go. Not everything is uh, wanted by the person that got rid of it. Now, if you're an adult and dressing up for Halloween, you're weird, apparently, or at least in the minority. New poll found that more than two-thirds of adults won't be wearing a costume this year, and 42% say they never dress up for Halloween. I'm happy I'm out of morning radio now because we used to, oh, there's the Halloween howl. You got to dress up. I dressed up as a gynecologist for two years because there was an actual gynecologist in Regina named Dr. Balsey. I think he was, well, I don't think he was an East Indian. He gave me his, he gave me his costume. It had, it literally had doctor and it was spelled B-A-H-L-Z-E-E. Balsey. I spell it B-A-L-L-Z-Y. I went as a guy in my early 40s because I'm lazy to go get a costume as a gynecologist. 
with gloves and a mask before masks were even popular and my stethoscope. And surprisingly enough, nobody wanted to come for a checkup at any of the Halloween house. So I'm very happy that I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, 45% of people in their 30s and 40s, early 40s, won't dress up. And over 80% of people in their 50s and 60s won't either. I just turned into my 50s. I won't. Now, two-thirds of costumes will include at least least one do-it-yourself element. The most popular type of costumes for adults are a fictional character, an animal historical figure. The top word people use to describe their costumes this year is funny, simple, unique, creative, and sexy. I would not call a gynecologist costume sexy probably perverted is what they call it i did it because i was lazy six percent of us are really losers and we're coordinating a costume with a co-worker give me a give me a break um i'm trying i'm seriously trying to figure out a way to keep teens from trick-or-treating this year at my house halloween is for kids period so, so underneath my sign at the front door that I'm going to put up that says no zombies allowed, I should have another sign that says you can't get a treat if you're over five feet. Actually, I just thought of that. That's pretty good, actually. Uh, if you're already shaven, you must be misbehaving. If you're still out trick-or-treating, I I don't know. Anyway, if you're over the age of 16 or you have a driver's license, you can't go and get treats. But I will say this. Because of inflation and the interest rate hikes and everything like that, if I had if my kids were small right now, little Ethan and Mara, who I who I taught to hate Halloween, like I their mom hated Halloween, I had to take them around. And I said, listen, kids, they're seven and five. I said, how about I give you $20 each and we'll go to the store and buy your favorite candies. We'll just stay inside and you can hand out candies. And they were good with that. They've, they've grown up to hate Halloween. I did my job. But if I had little kids, I'd be having them working overtime this year because of the way the prices are going. Daddy and mommy don't have money for candies. So get on your good walking shoes, put that little park on underneath the ghost costume, and you go get that candy, little Batman. You make sure, you make sure you're working, little Batman. My experiments all seem to be going out of whack. So I took a break for a tasty snack. When suddenly I heard Frankenstein say, Holy crap, those M&Ms are up to $10 a bag. He needs some cash. He needs some monster cash. Some monster cash. To fill the children's sacks. He needs some cash. Dracula was starting to laugh. He needs some cash. Yes, we'll need a lot of cash. Inflation has come to Transylvania too. All the ghosts are crying boo-hoo. The ghouls and goblins can't get us out of this mess. 20% more for 30% less. They need some cash. We need some monster cash. Some monster cash. To fill the children's sacks. They need some cash. Dracula was starting to laugh. They need some cash. Yes, he needs some monster cash. 
Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Time now for your clutch performance. And we go back to last night's game, the Edmonton Oilers at St. Louis to take on the Blues. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a even strength goal. It was the uh, game-winning goals. It stood up. Uh, it was the 2-1 goal. They won 3-1 in St. Louis. It was his 200th career goal in the NHL, and it was a nice one on the goal mouth. One of those goals in the dirty areas, as they say. They'll need more of those dirty goals from the Nuge if they want to go where they want to go this year, and that'd be the Stanley Cup. Our clutch performance is brought to you by our friends at Nick Service. In Emerald Park, your Massey Ferguson, Rogator, Challenger, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call them at 306-781-1077. It's time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to our first guest. Here with Julio Caravada, the outstanding color commentator in the BC Lions radio network and a former quarterback in this league with the Lions. Now, I didn't, uh, sorry, uh, not a very good host here. I didn't uh, go through your career with a fine-tooth comb, but it, have you played in games where they didn't mean anything in terms of the standings? The, rider, the Riders are facing that this uh, this year, and I, I talked to Jeff Hecht earlier this week, and he hadn't gone through one of those. I guess 2016, kind of, but... For, for, from your standpoint, what's it like to play in a game where you can't go up and down in the standings? It's basically a glorified preseason game, Julio. Well, they're difficult, right? Because I think what ends up happening in these scenarios is that there's more at stake. Um, you know, I've, like you say, I've played in, a, I played in a few seasons where, you know, you were out of it. And I think those are those seasons where there's more eyes and, and there's going to be more critical evaluation because you know when you're not playing well and you don't your team's record's not very good then you know that you know there's going to be changes so you i think there's more on the line for a lot of these guys because they're playing for they're playing for future contracts they're playing for you know where they're going to play next year or if they're going to come back to those original teams so uh, you know i mean I, I don't think there's any time when you step onto the field when you know it's a regular season um, that it's a mean nothing for anybody, right? I think you're, 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 you know, I mean, you're talking about your own reputation as a player. And, you know, you, you never want to just mail it in and say, oh, this means nothing because we all know that, uh, you know, everybody's watching, right? And, and personnel people from around the league are watching. They want to know what kind of player you are. And especially, too, when things are not going your way, right? When, you, when you're dealing with adversity. Um, hey, they hey you just the character, right? you just described Cody Fajardo. He's gone through a lot of adversity. Sometimes we, uh, hey, in the media, we can't have it both ways. We say athletes and coaches give us a lot of cliche answers. Well, we haven't got that in Regina with uh, Coach Craig Dickinson and Cody Fajardo. They've almost been honest to a fault, and uh, and sometimes that isn't good because uh, coaches are sometimes untruthful. Well, when coaches untruthful once about Cody last week, people are calling him a liar when. Most of the time, the other coaches lie all the time. And then Cody, <laughs> Cody's out there really expressing his feelings. It feels like a long goodbye. I want to go to Cody Fajardo for a second, okay? Because uh, you played the mm-hmm. position. So here's a guy that had a nice run in 2019. I think more so than any starting quarterback in the league, the, the down year really hurt Cody Fajardo. And then we had uh, a new offensive coordinator. They had to do everything by Zoom. And then the team, uh, once again, had a big uh, turnover differential in their favor in that West Final last year. But Cody couldn't get them over the hump there. And then it kind of really digressed this year, or regressed, the better word to use. So so my thing is this, what what's a real expectation for Cody Fajardo going forward? 
Well, you know, I mean, I think uh, you know, anytime you play quarterback, you know, obviously all eyes are on you. But the the thing that sometimes gets overlooked is what's around you, right? And I think we can all safely say after this year and the year that Cody had that. You know, up front, um, you know, Saskatchewan had its challenges. What they led the league in sacks, did they not? Oh, did they not? Did they yeah, not? Yeah, exactly. They, had se- they have by they, a long shot. They have seventy-one so I, right now. Seventy-one, yeah, okay. Julio. Okay, so is that? I know a lot of criticism goes to the quarterback, and sometimes that is 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 rightfully so, right? That if you don't play well, if you don't complete passes, if you don't move the ball. You know that that a lot of it lies on on your shoulders, but at the same time, um, there are a lot of different factors that play into that. And I think up front, it, it's one of those things. Like when, it, hey, the, the quarterback's like anybody else, right? It, if you get hit in the mouth a whole bunch of times early on, you, you know the tendency is that you're 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 going you're gonna you're gonna start to get happy feet, right? You're gonna start to maybe bail out of there when you don't need to bail out of there because you don't want to take the shots you're getting. So you know, I know that. You know, Cody was under a lot of pressure there this year, um, and that comes with being a starting quarterback in the in, in one of the marquee markets. Um, but uh, I think you know, going forward, um, Cody's a good quarterback. You know, he's. I don't know whether or not someone's going to you know spend the money to make him a starter, but there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him because I, I think everybody realizes uh, that you need two quarterbacks, right? You need two solid quarterbacks that you don't. You don't have to say, you think to yourself, oh, God, we can't put this guy in the game, right? You you, you need, given the, the way the game's played and how fast and how big and how strong the guys are getting, you know, if you can make it through an entire year un- healthy, uh, it's it's usually, you know, a bonus. So you need to have two guys, and, and Cody, I think, is going to be able to provide a lot of, a lot to a team with that experience that he has as a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. You look around the league, depending how things go, uh, Montreal, uh, maybe Ottawa. How about BC, depending on what happens with, yeah, Nate, with, exactly. Nate, with Nathan Rourke? Okay, before I yeah. get to Rourke in a second and wrap things up with you, Julio Caravata, uh, you guys are a perfect example of how you can turn things around. In this, in this age of football, both sides of the border, they used to say defense wins championships. I look at it this way. Defense can absolutely help you win a championship. But if you don't have really good quarterbacking, borderline elite quarterbacking, and a good offensive line, you're not winning anything. And that's really been the Riders' downfall this year. And conversely, that's how the Lions have been able to turn things around. Now, I don't know if you guys did much up front, but your quarterback sure has helped out this year, Nathan Rourke. Yeah, well, there's no question, right? Like, Nathan Nathan took everybody by storm, right? Nobody was expecting that. Uh, Nathan to do what he's done. Um, and so that obviously is a huge bonus for the Lions. But I think one of the most important things that I've learned over the years is, is this, is that, you know, this is where your, your personnel people, the, your scouts, your general managers really, you know, have to take a leading role and, and really find guys. Like I know that the Lions, and I talked to Neil McAvoy about this many times, and Ryan McMaden, who's the assistant general manager, handles all the U.S. personnel. Um, is that you, you need to trust and believe in your system and going out and finding players because it's hard, you know, and given what the XFL and USFL, it's going to be even harder because there's going to be a demand on a lot more players, but you have to, at some point, and I know the Lions did this last year and they suffered for it where you need to go with some younger players that are going to make some mistakes 
that are going to, you know, you, you, you believe in physically and mentally that they're going to be able to take this next step as professionals. And the Lions did that. They invested in their, they needed, they needed to, to improve on the defensive line, for example. And they went out and got a whole bunch of first-year guys, Boom Guatram, Josh Banks, Tim Bonner, who's not here anymore, but those are the kinds of guys, Nate Cherry, they invested in, in, in Matthew Betts and David Menard, these kinds of guys that they trusted and believed, hey, these guys can, can really help us. But they knew there was going to be some growing pains because so much of the time you want instant gratification. You want to, you, you want to take shortcuts by going out and getting a free agent or going to do that. And that's, that's fine. You can do that. But you also have to build a core. And, and, and sometimes that takes a little bit of pain. But getting through that and trusting in your personnel because that's, that's where it all happens, right? You've you got to have good personnel people that are finding players that can, that can play because the revolving door doesn't work. It no. doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't lead to long-term success. So I think that's the big thing for, for every team you, is, is you gotta, you got to find the next guy and no bigger position than quarterback, right? Everybody wants one. That's why this whole thing with Nathan has exploded. No, is he going to go to the NFL? Because they're in such high demand. When you can find a real good one, you got to hold on to them and you got to and you got to keep them and develop them, right? So that I think is going to be the biggest key for. There's a number of teams that are in the same boat that, that have to go out and do that. Hey, uh, lastly, here uh, we'll talk more about this next week with the playoffs. But Nathan Rourke is back. I'm interested to see yeah. how he looks uh, against the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How has he looked this week in practice? And and I think this gives. Uh, a, I didn't, you know, Calgary's played Winnipeg tough, obviously, but now, mm-hmm. now it's not an automatic, oh, the Bombers are going to march to a three-peat. I, I want to see what this kid can do in the playoffs. What a great story. <laughs> I didn't think he's coming back. Well, me and you both. I mean, I did not think we would be here. Um, as much as I hoped uh, that, you know, he was going to find a way, but I, 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 this kid is a... Uh, is so dedicated um, and so disciplined as far as you know his his rehab went, and he's done exactly what the doctors have asked him to do. And he, here he is. Uh, you know, I, I won't lie. Yesterday, I went out to practice and watched very closely. I didn't see anything. I didn't see a limp. I didn't see a guy who was you know taking it easy on himself. Like he he was taking hard drops. He was moving around in the pocket. Like he wasn't rolling out and running, but he was. And then that 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 familiar quick release where the ball is out of his hands, um, you know, I can tell you this, uh, Ballsy, is that Nathan Rourke prepared every single week while he was injured, as if he was going to play. There was no there was no deterring like that preparation. Like he was preparing every single week against every single defense, doing exactly what he was doing, knowing that he wasn't going to see the field for nine weeks. And so you're talking about a guy who's highly motivated. And it changes everything for the BC Lions, right? And, and that's no disrespect for, to Vernon Adams, who's done an unbelievable job coming in here and getting the victory and securing a, a home playoff game. But they're a different team with Nathan Rourke. Like you, when he steps onto the field, you could see the jump in all the receivers. You could see the jump in the entire team that they know that if Nathan is able to perform like he did, that they could do something special. And that's, that's the fun part, right? That's the, that's the part we wait and, and, and see and, if he can pull something off, uh, it's going to be quite a story. Julio, thanks for your time, man. We'll talk closer to the playoffs again. Sure. Appreciate it, Baldy. Thanks for The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
And welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by our friends at Spreads.ca. we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about the Keniston Super Draft here. Got to get your uh, entries in by uh, November 1st, so it's coming up real soon. Uh, when we talk betting, though, we like to talk with our friend from UFF Sports. That would be Andy McNamara. You've been kicking my butt, man, the last couple of weeks on these uh, these picks, these game picks. That's not even your forte, so to speak. <laughs> And you're destroying me. You're destroying me. You went 2-0 and the last two weeks. I went 0-2. Previous to that, I think I beat you one week, the first week, and then it was a tie a couple of weeks. But, yeah, you're uh, overall beating me. We'll get to the picks in a minute here. I wanted to... Uh I wanted to get to some of your things, and then I got a couple of Hail Mary starts for you, if you, if you wouldn't okay. mind, okay? So yeah. let's do uh, the, the best wide receiver fantasy ad, according to you, this week. Well, I'm going to say, and you know what? This gets even more interesting with the news that Jamar Chase is yeah. expected to miss at least a month. That is brutal. And you're not – here's the thing, folks. You're not replacing that type of star power. It's just not, not happening. Um, so, you know, if Tyler Boyd is floating around out there for the Bengals uh, somewhere, grab him. But my most widely available guy who still, at the beginning of the week, 2% ownership, still just rostering 23%. Marquise Goodwin of the Seahawks. Baldy's not getting enough attention, and he should, because you have DK Metcalf, who all of a sudden is banged up, may, may not play. You have Ty Lockett down with the hammy. He's going to play, but... When Metcalf went down, Goodwin was the immediate go-to for Geno Smith uh, and by a lot. And that's the guy you can plug in right now, and you can say, hey, against the Giants in what might be a sneaky shootout, I like Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, and uh, he's a guy that uh, he was the receiver that um, J.C. Jackson was covering when he blew his knee out last week, when he, yeah. when he jumped up and mistimed right. his jump or whatever, yep. hurt himself. Okay, your best DFS play for Thursday Night Football Ravens and Bucks is... Boy, you know what? I got, I got, well, if we're looking at the DraftKings lineup for, for the showdown, honestly, for the captain spot, Ballsy, where you get one and a half times the fantasy points for one and a half times the salary, the safest pick might be the kicker, Justin Tucker. Okay? <laughs> but people don't like kickers. No. I understand. They don't like it, but Justin Tucker's the best. He's the GOAT. However, my big pick, he's super cheap. He's 1200 bucks on DraftKings. Brashad Perryman. Okay, I know they say Chris Godwin and Mike Evans cleared of injury tags. I'm not buying it on a short week. Those guys are banged up. You got Russell Gage out. Perryman, when given the chance in his career, including in Tampa Bay, has popped, has flashed. He can run the go route deep. You can pop him inside. He's versatile. And, when again, when he's given the chance, he averages almost 15 yards per catch. So Perryman is that perfect DraftKings contrarian DFS play where if he goes, not a lot of people are going to be picking him. That's how you win contests with picks like that. So go with Perryman tonight. Okay, Andy, just with regard to that game, though, is is Tom Brady really going to lose three in a row? Oh, listen, I, I hope not, because I hate the Ravens. Uh, <laughs> I really I really hope not. I'm willing Tom Brady to victory. Willing. Like, we, willing. we need him to. Like, it could happen. <laughs> like, look at the spread. It's, you know, like, we're talking, what, one and a half? Yeah. One and a half points? Like, yeah. it's a very real thing. Uh, we'll see if that if Tom Brady with the forever chip on his shoulder has time and has his divorce pending divorce caught up with him and he won't be able to shake it off this time. I sure hope he does. We'll get to our picks in a minute here. Okay, I want to get to a couple. I like to call them hail mary starts. Okay, and you can okay. agree or disagree. Let's go with quarterback. Now he's to me he's not a sexy pick, but they do put up points. How about Jared Goff at quarterback? You know what? Look at the guys on buys this week, right? 
We got Chiefs, Chargers on bye. You're missing two high fly, high flying quarterbacks right there. So you yeah. need again. You're not going to replace that, but you need the best case situation. So when we look at Jared Goff um, for a Lions team that has put up a shockingly high number of points this year, outside of that New England stinker, uh, Jared Goff is a nice play. He's really popped a couple times. A couple other games, he's been in those mid-teens. You go up against Dallas, who, when you look at them, they're uh, they've given up the fifth most uh, fantasy points. Uh, sorry, with uh, Miami uh, mm-hmm. this season. So. I think it's a, you could do worse. It's always a little dicey because you could hand off a lot, but Jared Goff makes sense to me. Speaking of handing off, how about this for a deep dive Hail Mary start, okay? Michael Carter running back for the Jets. Now, you'll say, well, they made a trade for James Robinson, but as we saw last week, Christian McCaffrey comes in, and it takes a game or two to kind of get uh, used to the system. So how about like a long shot Michael Carter running back? I absolutely love it, Ballsy. You and I, same mindset here. And the reason is for just what you said. First of all, James Robinson is not the same caliber of a Christian McCaffrey. Um, second, I think eventually it'll probably devolve into what we saw in Jacksonville, where you have an even number of shares and splits, and it's yeah. kind of like fantasy purgatory. But for this week, here's the difference, okay? Michael Carter catches the ball a lot, and he can be targeted. He's had as many as nine targets in the game. It's gone down in recent weeks, but he can run. He can catch. For PPR, it makes a lot of sense. And if you want to get the ball out of your hands quick against that New England defense, which Belichick, we always know, has has humming, I think Michael Carter is a really good play. I like that. Okay, and my Hail Mary start for wide receiver. This guy is – now, this is a real wild card. I'm going out here. This guy hasn't lived up to his potential. Uh, Now, when you say that, some of it is his fault. Some of it it is the fact that the Indianapolis Colts have gone through 53 quarterbacks since Andrew Mm -hmm. Luck went down, and their O-line all of a sudden looks like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders O-line. They can't block anybody, uh, which is crazy to me. But – the Washington Commanders' defense isn't exactly great. How about Paris Campbell? Boy, if this was a week ago, Ballsy, I would say, yes, roll the dice. However, <laughs> we are in week eight. And the problem is, as bad as Matt Ryan is, he, who, by the way, banished. Like, we're not talking about some stud rookie coming in for yeah. him. Six-round pick in 2021, Sam Ellinger. Jim Irsay must be back on um, popping pills because he's like, get out of here, Matt Ryan. I'm done with you. I want Ellinger. Yeah, I think I saw him run a bit in college. Hey, Irsay, he's the one in the middle, by the way, if you're watching television. All right? Like, Sam Ellinger, he, why, he, people expect him to come in and be what, Lamar Jackson? I don't want to anything to do with any Colts receiver whatsoever until I see what the heck Sam Ellinger is. And as a six-round pick, we're not seeing Tom Brady. I guarantee you that. That's why I call it a Hail Mary pick there. But I will tell you that, that you just came up with a great band name. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Poppin' Pills! <laughs> with, with the Jim Irsay experience. I love it. I love it. Okay, man. Okay, man. So uh, let's, get to our, let's get to our picks here. You go with yours first. Okay. All right. So what I like here... Washington, we talked about the Washington Commanders. Okay? Yep. Uh, plus, uh, if we're looking on the DraftKings Sportsbook, plus 125 yep. to straight-up win over the Colts. And I, I gave you the reasons why. Why am I scared of the Indianapolis Colts? I, I have nothing to be afraid of. No. The defense isn't what it once was. The offensive line stinks. What have they done to earn that type of, of respect? No, I don't want anything to do with that. So plus 125 uh, DraftKings Sportsbook for the Commanders. I'm taking that straight up over the Colts. 
And uh, it's also now, it went up plus 100 for the Commanders to cover the two and a half point uh-huh. spread. So I want double dip, balls. I'm double dipping. I don't mind that because you're right. Ellinger, Heineke, you got to go with Heineke. I, look, at least we've seen what Heineke can do. I know what Heineke is. I have no idea what Sam Ellinger is going to do. Let's be honest, too, before we get to your other pick and then mine. The NFL's been bad this year. Really bad, man. It's been like, bad. Like, yeah. you know, in the CFL, they were bitching, well, you should go to four downs, do what the NFL does. So what does that mean? The NFL is going to add a down and go to five downs? Like, <laughs> come on. This is bad. Well, more downs. That's, that's what we want. <laughs> okay, let's get to your next pick. Okay, I mentioned the Seahawks a little bit earlier that I like Marquise Goodwin. Yep. Betting-wise, I like the Giants more. I think it's a mirage, that 6-1, and one, but ballsy and their great former coach, Bill Parcells, you are what your record are. Those guys are 6-1. and one. They're undefeated on the road. They're, they're three-point underdogs, but I'm thinking the money line. DraftKings Sportsbook has that plus-135 Giants. Imagine Brian Dable, what he can use his material in the locker room. Guys, look at the disrespect. We're six and one, and you got four and three, and Geno Smith. I don't know how they're winning. It makes no sense with their roster, but I got to go with the Giants and take a chance on plus 135 for the Giants in Seattle. I have to see them fail. I think they will, but they haven't yet, so I'll go with Big Blue. How would you like to be a Chargers fan? I watched the Jaguars and the Seahawks kick our ass in our home stadium badly. Badly. Geno Smith looked like Warren Moon. Like, what is going on there? That's crazy. Okay, here are my picks. See what you think of this one. Lions at home, plus three and a half versus Miami. Tua almost threw four interceptions last week. He didn't look great. Now, listen, he's coming off uh, having basically a seizure on the field. Uh, but I like I don't the Lions can score points. I don't think they'll win, but I'm taking the points. I like that a lot. I, I'm you know what that over under is interesting too. It's at fifty one and a half. Uh, I hope it's a, a shootout like that. And really, to your point, Ballsy, besides Tua having that one six touchdown game, his fantasy point value is right back down to where it's been typically, and that's in the mid teens. So what that means on the betting side is I, I don't think we should necessarily have to have that confidence into it to be able to blow anybody out. So I'm with you. I'll go Lions, sure. And the Buffalo Bills are 11.5-point favorites against Green Bay, and I am taking that. I think the Bills win by two touchdowns. Woo, baby, in Buffalo, in Buffalo, the imploding Packers. What's happening? Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady suck. I'm playing Kirk Cousins, better than Geno Smith, better option than those two. Oh, man, you know what? I always hate taking double-digit or double-digit points in betting I know in the you NFL. Do. But, Ballsy, I think i got to go with you, man. Like, I'm just seeing zero out of Green Bay. Like, nothing. And you're on the road. And Aaron Rodgers just threw his whole team under the bus. He just basically said, "If you can't, if you can't take criticism, like he's just like he just oh, he's got the instead for jeopardy. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's got the instead of the instead of the uh, double what was it the double discount whatever he did. Now it's the <laughs> now it's the double eye roll. He just does the eye roll to his teammates. Oh, like yeah. uh, and his thumbs busted. Like he's not even a hundred percent. No, that's crazy. So how are they scoring? Buffalo's going to eat them alive. I, I love that. It's uh, it is. It always makes me pause yeah, when you me see too. a number that high, but I think we got to go with it. I think so, too. Okay, so where can they find your work, Andy, and, and get questions to you? Yes, well, first on Twitter all the time, at AndyMC81. Use hashtag AskAndy. Instagram as well, at AndyMCSports. And Sunday uh, at 10.30 a.m., I'm going to a new network, baby, Fired Up Network. they oh. got the app. 
Check out my Twitter. It's still going to be on Twitch, but we got they're on 182 platforms. You can watch on Roku TV, Apple, Spotify, a whole bunch of stuff. That's 10:30 a.m. Eastern this Sunday for the Ultimate Football Show. So check that out, and it'll be uh, lots of fun. I love my time with you. Thanks, man. You make the oh. numbers fun. Take care, buddy. Woo. All right, man. Good luck. Talk to you soon. That's Andy McNamara joining us with some betting and uh, go with what he said. You can listen to it in the podcast later when Nick posts it. When we come back, we'll talk high school football as we got a big city championship on the line tonight. We'll talk to one of the coaches involved and get to a text of yours as well at 936-6262. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, Pete, you're coming off a thrilling 5 nothing semifinal victory there, Sheldon beating Johnson. Tell us about that one quickly. Well, you know, you look at that and you go, oh, Sheldon's goalie must have had a pretty good night. We actually, both teams put up a fair bit of offense. I think we were close to 400 yards in total offense. It's just... Whenever we got inside their red zone and the couple of times they got inside ours, nothing happened. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the game itself, it was very competitive right down to the wire, obviously, when you're leading by less than a touchdown in the last minute. But uh, our defense came up huge, and uh, obviously they're going to need to do the exact same thing against Greenall. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, tell us about your team. You got some of the names that we can maybe watch tonight if we go out and, uh, uh, you know, uh, take in the game or uh, check it out tomorrow online when we get the story? It's no mystery, so I'm, I'm not giving away any secrets. Um, and certainly offensively, it's all about Tyson Green, our quarterback. He was uh, he was the number four passer in the league this year, but the number three rusher. So he's definitely a dual threat guy. He can run like a deer. He's about six four. Wow! So obviously the both secondary programs are salivating over him. If he can get going, and if we can get him to the edge and, and run a little bit with our other guys, we'll be okay. And you talked about your defense. Who is uh, the anchor of your defense? Uh, folks around here who've been around for a long enough time may remember the name Tony Kai. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh yeah! Played, played a couple of years with the uh, Riders. Well, his son Liam is in grade 11, and he's quite the player on defense. He pretty much line him up wherever we need him. Uh, he can play defensive end. He can play inside. He can also play some linebacker. He's, uh, he's a really good player. You were a coach with Noel. How's the transition been under Latimer, uh, Chris Latimer over there at Sheldon? Um, great, actually. I mean, uh, certainly uh, it wasn't a... a factor of me not liking it at Noel. Funny enough, they were on the practice field at Libel right after us the last couple nights. So got to renew acquaintances with a bunch of the guys. We all wished each other well, and that's all good. But I mean, yeah, here with Chris Latimer, it's literally three blocks from my house, so that track <laughs> cuts down on the travel time a fair bit, and uh, we're in the city finals, so no complaints. And a rematch, Pete, of the city championship against Belgoni last year. Uh, it ended in favor, obviously, of Belgoni. What do you got to do to uh, turn the tide today? Well, our kicker has to not slip and miss a field goal in overtime. That would really uh, help. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're still trying to live that one down, but... Uh, I mean, yeah, no, Greenall's been here. They've done that. They've uh, this certainly isn't their first trip to the dance, nor is it Sheldon's, I guess. But uh, it's just a matter of play them tight and try to limit their running game. They've got a, a very strong running game as well, uh, led by Levi Knauss at tailback. He's about, well, I shouldn't I shouldn't be mean. He's he's not tall, and uh, but, man, if he can get to the outside, he's gone. He's that fast. So if we can contain him, we got a shot, and I'm sure they're saying the same thing about our guy Tyson. Yeah, and how much does that slip in overtime kind of add the, for motivation for Sheldon? 
it's interesting because um, it was quite a roller coaster ride in the city final last year. Greenall came out and and they put the boots to Sheldon early. I think they were up by like three scores in the first half. Sheldon came storming back in the second half, took the game to overtime, and then of course it ended the way it ended. Uh, Sheldon's kicker missed, and Greenall stepped up and kicked the field goal and moved on. So. There's definitely a sense of unfinished business there, but uh, it's also a case of, well, we can't leave it to the last second and, and, and hope like we did last year. Well, you know what? Uh, tomorrow we've got a semifinal matchups between Winston, Nolan, Miller, and Laboldis going up against Riffle, and you'll be on the sports cage along with Brendan McGuire to talk about that as you're subbing in for me as I'm on my way to Calgary. And tomorrow you'll give us the wrap-up, and hopefully we're talking about a Sheldon victory for your sake. Thanks for your time, man. Anytime. All right, so my apologies. I haven't been giving the uh, lucky fan contest word of the day. My email said it ran from the 11th to the 24th, awarding it tomorrow. I, but it was the week of, uh, the, the week, you know, the October 11th week to the October 24th week. So I'm going to give you the word today, okay? The uh, word for the lucky fan contest, you want to text 936-6262. <clears throat> it's champion. If you get chosen tomorrow, you get two premium gold tickets to the Grey Cup game, four-night hotel, a pair of Ryderville passes, tickets to the CFL Player Awards, Saturday night gala tickets, Sunday indoor and outdoor tailgate passes, weekend team party passes, 500 to spend at the Ryder store, and an exclusive Grey Cup prize pack from the CFL. So there you go. That is what we have in store for you. And I gave you the word, so make sure you text it at 936-6262. Got a great uh, text here. Just hold on. My my um, phone froze. I got a text from Steve from Melville at the uh, Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 936-6262. Uh, ballsy, other than Sankey, who on the riders are definite must-haves for next season? Well, we need Sankey. Sounded like he really wants to try free agency when we had him on yesterday, so he's not a given to come back. I'd bring Kreef back. I'd give Larry Dean a chance to come back because he was good. He kind of wilted towards the end of the year, but the dude was 34, was second in the league in tackles going into uh, last weekend's game. I'd bring back Pete Robertson, probably Miles Brown, Jaden Dulkey, Micah Tights if he's healthy, Roland Milligan for sure, Jeremy Clark, Amari Henderson, and probably Nick Marshall. That's who I'd bring back. But we need some D-tackle help. Well, Anthony Lanier II, too, if he's okay. But judging by his interview the other day, is it a concussion? Is it something else? He said it's physical, but he doesn't want to go into it. Hopefully, whatever it is, he can overcome it. But we need some more D-tackles. We need uh, some more DBs. Um, yeah, that's who I'd bring back. 936-6262. Your thoughts on uh, Rider Nation and what you want to see done. When we come back, we'll hear from the president, Craig Reynolds. Grey Cup Festival stuff. Yeah. And a halftime show will be announced soon. Ooh. I didn't realize people are so excited about the halftime show. Anyway, we'll talk that in Keniston Super Hockey Draft as well. Luke Molitor joins us at 522. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be your official.
official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We're going to be talking Keniston Super Draft in a minute. Spreads.ca is the sponsor of our show on Wednesdays and Thursdays. If you sign up using the code CKRM, you'll uh, be in for a bunch of promo offers uh, of your liking. So uh, check it out at Spreads.ca. Use the promo code CKRM. Also, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask about the Rough Riders sweet deal when you order Western Pizza, and you could be in for a game day experience next year in a luxury suite watching the Rough Riders, and who knows what they're going to look like uh, in 2023. A lot of people upset. One of my buddies who's a diehard Rider fan just sold his Grey Cup ticket, so that's something that's hanging over the club's head. But the Grey Cup is here in a couple of weeks' time, and I can't believe how mad people are that the halftime show hasn't been revealed. Okay, we've had the Grey Cup three times here. Now, one time, I think it was a dog show in 95, if I'm not mistaken. In 2003, it was Brian Adams, I believe. I believe it was Brian Adams. And then in 2013, it was, uh, oh, yeah, Headley, the dude that just went to jail with a bunch of uh, skadoos doing flips behind him. Okay, whatever Headley did, he did. Well, Jacob something or others his name. Um, not that I care, um, especially now. But that was our halftime show. But are you really that irate that the half the halftime show hasn't been announced yet? I watch for the game. I know other people. It's an entertainment thing. I get it. Anyway, there's lots going around on around the Grey Cup, and you, we still want to make this a successful thing. So get to the events. Get to the festivals. The league needs this to be successful after COVID and everything like that and a scaled-down Grey Cup last year. I know you're ticked off, but you've already spent your cash. Go to the game. Go to the festival. Make it something. Like, look at. Uh, Touchdown Atlantic announced that in Halifax, what, $12.5 million was the spinoff or something like that for the time that the riders were there to save Touchdown Atlantic. They didn't market that thing at all. They just invited the riders to come, and they went for a summer holiday. Uh, The fans went out there. Of the 11,000 that were there, were 10,000. About 8,000 were rider fans. There were a small amount of Bomber fans, BC fans, Toronto fans, but it was mostly rider fans, the tractor factor. So why go there? I know it was for a holiday, but why go there and get all excited? But then when it's in your back door... Or backyard. So I, I, I hope you people, and I don't tell you what to do, but I hope you will uh, support the Grey Cup. Anyway, today we had uh, an announcement on the festival and everything going on around it. Colin James going to kick it off. The Regina's own Colin James with the tailgate party to kick it off, the pregame party. Uh, but Craig Reynolds, president of the Rough Riders and instrumental in helping put together this committee to, that's putting this Grey Cup on, met with the media. Yeah, we, we need about a thousand volunteers to fully execute the event, and, and we're over that now. Um, and about 60% of the shifts are, are full, so we've had really good sign up and really good participation uh, to date. 
I guess, can you elaborate a little bit on why volunteers have to pay? I think it's $85 plus GST to volunteer for the festival. Why exactly that is? Yeah, it's it's become standard practice in, in large events, really. Um, we did it in 2013 as well, so it's so it's not new. Um, and really, it's to, it's to cover some of the... Um, items that the, the volunteers receive um, so they get a, a volunteer jacket uh, which they, obviously they, they, they get to keep and obviously there's um, food and, and beverage that we want to provide for them throughout the week so it's just a little bit of a cost offset that again is pretty common in, in large event um, delivery nowadays love some more like volunteers make this event they make the event great so we uh, that's why we've extended uh, the uh, volunteer registration because we certainly would would welcome more more volunteers but uh, no that's just a process of timing where where they just haven't signed up for their shifts yet what would you say is the biggest difference from this year's festival as opposed to the one last time I was here in 2013 well I, I think just the one footprint is is a huge difference so obviously we're hosting every event here at, at real district and and we have some new venues here the ITC didn't exist in in 2013 that's where Rideville will be so so I think that's that's a big difference and and uh, our theme around youth and technology is also a really big difference you see the number of family friendly events free uh, events for that are designed to attract youth to the festival um, a lot of innovative events with technology Technology or digital zone is a, is a good example of that. Um, obviously, the eSports e tournament, which is something that's never been done before in, in, in a Grey Cup. So, so those are the things that stand out to me. Is there a number of people, or I guess attendance-wise, you're hoping pass through the doors over the four days, five days? No, we don't have sort of set attendance numbers. Um, you know, as Crystal mentioned, uh, ticket sales have been really, really good, specifically on the team party pass. We're really, really excited about about that. Um, we're going to have thousands of people on, on the festival, festival site going to the team party pass, or the team party rooms, and then obviously we hope to attract a lot of youth to, um, you know, the, the various uh, family-friendly um, events that are on the festival site. And then I guess just to, obviously you guys were supposed to host the game a couple of years ago, but COVID put a wrench in those plans. Uh, how, how, how much has this plan changed basically from when you guys started to where you are now? You know what's really interesting is, is it's, it's altered a little bit, but even if you go back, like we bid on the Grey Cup in 2018 and we're awarded in 2019, and obviously that was the 2020 Grey Cup that we we're, were awarded. And when we go back to the bid, um, really the theming and a lot of the events that we had thought about when we bid on the Grey Cup were executing on. So, for example, the Highway 11 Cup run came through that ideation around what we were going to do to involve the entire province and to get Saskatoon involved. And uh, and that was, you know, thought about in 2018 and, and here we are executing it four years later. So so most of the things that we had wanted to do and, and were excited about in 2020 were, were executing here in 2022. Do you have any um, idea about how much money is spinning off the Grey Cup with regards to hospitality, meals, rooms, car rentals, that sort of stuff? How much money is the Grey Cup going to bring to Regina? Yeah, it has an a really big economic impact. We will do an economic impact study post event, but just for reference, the the last Great Cup was well well north of eighty million dollars of economic impact to the to the province of Saskatchewan. So we certainly expect it to be at least that that much, um, and uh, that's generally the magnitude of of hosting a Great Cup. It's a it's a large scale event. You get tons of people coming coming to the province and coming to the city, um, eating in the restaurants, eating um, you know drinking in the bars, and uh, staying in, in our hotel. Room, so so it's really really positive for the economy of Saskatchewan. Following the Riders' loss last week, a lot of people became disinterested 
uh, and who are offering their tickets for sale. Tell me your thoughts on that and, and what sort of an impact you think that'll have on the, the ticket sales. Yeah, you know, we're obviously disappointed in how the, how the season turned out. And I know our fans are disappointed as well. We, ha- we had high expectations um, uh, for sure, and we didn't live up to, to our expectations. The reality is um, there's that's pretty standard practice in in terms of large scale events, certainly uh, games and events that are sold out. There will be thousands of tickets that will shift hands as playoff matchups are set, et cetera. So that's pretty standard. And and uh, and we, we kind of expect that in any any large scale event. How concerned are, is your organization over the recent economic downturn? Uh, you know, the R word is being said, recession. And in those, in these types of situations, people start uh, looking at their groceries and not buying high-end stuff. And, and I think people are saying, you know, the riders might be something that we can't afford this year. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, regarding the recession and uh, you know things are just costing us more money. Yeah, I, th- I think you know that's a little bit more for- forward-looking as it relates to the, to the riders. Um, um, you know, I'm going to host a, a another media availability following the season where we can talk a little bit more about about the team as it relates to the Grey Cup um, today. You know, obviously that that is a concern. The economic environment is is always a concern. We haven't seen that to, to date in terms of. Um, in terms of ticket sales, those types of things, they've been relatively strong, but it is a concern. Um, you know, um, you know, inflation and, and economic challenges, and and you're right. Uh, entertainment dollars and and discretionary income or discretionary spend is is usually the first thing to go. The one thing that we do know, though, is um, large events are post post pandemic are are what uh, people are gravitating towards, and we saw it this year, even even in our in our own um, season where uh, at Labor Day because it's a large event and it's you know, there's a lot of buzz around it. Um, we had our second biggest crowd in terms of the number of people that actually were in the stands ever in the history of, of, the, of, of the stadium. So, so people still are, are gravitating towards large events and I think they will uh, for the Grey Cup as well. Do you have any idea on uh, when a halftime uh, act will be announced at all? I've kind of been waiting for that. Yeah, I've actually been waiting for that question. I thought that was going to be the first question. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the halftime act has has been secured. I can I can confirm that um, by the by the CFL, um, and I can also confirm that it's going to be announced next next week. And and we're 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 really happy with where they landed. How nervous were you guys about securing that halftime act? Yeah, you know, it's actually the CFL works uh, with the with in securing the uh, the halftime act, and and the reality is there's been lots of challenges in the in the in, in the musical in, industry post pandemic, and I think that impacted the, the timing a little bit uh, around securing securing the acts, and so um, we're really excited about about uh, where where we landed though and, and look forward to that announcement next week by the CFL. Alright, that's Craig Reynolds talking today in the media room about the Grey Cup coming here in three weeks time. You know what else is coming up? We've got the Keniston Super Hockey Draft. This thing has been going on for years. $90,000 in total cash and prizes to be won. Uh, three ways to win. Over 200 cash winners. Now, first place gets 20,000, second place 10,000, third place 5,000 and so on and so forth, plus a $1,000 a week champion Monday to Sunday games. Now, um you complete the name and address section of the entry form and uh, you get to select 32 players whose point totals you feel will be the highest in 2022-2023. The accumulated 
Total of the top 30 players you choose will be your score. Note, if the players whom you wish to select do not appear in the entry form, you may write in their names and the team in the space provided. So entries are $40 each. Bonus offer is three entries for $100. Super bonus is seven entries for $200. Um, and you have to have them in by November the 1st at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. So uh, there you go. So uh, make sure you get it in. That's... Uh, they say uh, telephone entries will be accepted Monday, October 31st, Tuesday, November 1st, from, uh, November 1st from 9 a.m. Central Standard Time till 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. So you have a bit of time, but not much. All right. So they've got a Facebook page to check it out and uh, you want to get on board. I am filling one out with Zinger, but I guess he's sick. So I'll be filling it out. And if we win, if Zinger and I win, whatever money we win goes to a charity of our choice. And the money goes to the community to help the, support the fine community of Keniston for a nice fundraiser there. It's been going on for years. All right. So when we come back on the other side, we'll hear from Luke Molliner and talk about some of the player award nominees. You're listening to the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the sports cage on sports radio 620 CKRM. All right. Welcome back to the Sports Cage at the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day show. Sponsored by Spreads.ca. And we also will tell you that our text line is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac 936-6262. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline talk to our color commentator on the Rider Radio Network, Luke Molitor. R- Luke, I didn't realize everybody is so, so mad that the halftime show hasn't been announced yet. I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope the halftime show is going to sell out the Great Cup because, uh, yeah, they, we're definitely um, we're definitely bordering on insanity here. Like, why does it matter that much? I don't right? know. I, I have no idea. Like, it was it was Headley and Mo, it was Headley and Snowmobiles the last time. I think Brian Adams was the time before that, and before that, it was like 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 dogs. They got a dog show or something. I yeah, think. like the halftime show has never been like unless it's like somebody like Drake. Yeah, I'm okay with whoever they. I, I like roll the sheepdogs for uh, for um, for whatever. I you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do yeah, yeah, do do something. Well, we'll find out. Apparently, we're finding out next week. They're telling us so. But it's typical, typical CFL, though, right? Like we're we're really getting mad over 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 things that really don't that, matter that, in terms of the actual Great Cup. That don't matter. Okay, yeah. So let's get to things that matter. The Jake Gadar Award for Community Service. Uh, the rider nominee is Dan Clark, and I think that's uh, that's a pretty good honor. Could be the last time he's honored by this team, at least for now. In terms of like. I don't know what his future holds. He doesn't have a contract. Yeah, you know what? I mean, Dan's always been a guy that uh, that that has had his community, um, you know, at the forefront of, of the things that he does. Um, he does he's done some great work with the Canadian Red Cross, and I know that he's doing some great work with the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation right now. So, um, obviously, well deserved. Uh, and again, you know, something that I hope that maybe he's a guy that if if he doesn't end up playing for this team next year. Um, can still 
continue to do some good work in the community because yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of players have uh, once they've, they've passed on or, or moved on from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the field. So hopefully Dan can continue to do that because, again, he's made a real difference in a lot of people's lives. So the uh, most outstanding player nominee from the West will be, no doubt, uh, Zach Kalaros, and he will probably win it. So I won't get into that debate. Uh, but here's one for you that's interesting. The most outstanding Canadian. I think out of the East, it's Curly Gittens Jr., 81 catches, 1,118 yards, five touchdowns. He is the best receiver on the Argos, regardless of birth certificate. Then it gets interesting out West here. I think you got you could make a case for three guys. Kean Schaefer-Baker's had a good year. Uh, probably get to a thousand yards. Cameron Judge is back to being Cameron Judge. He's had a great year, but I don't care if he's only played nine games. The most outstanding Canadian out west is Nathan Rourke, no doubt about it in my books. How about you? Well, I, I would agree. I think that um, Nathan Rourke has not only moved the needle and proved his worth in his absence, um, but he's moved the needle in terms of attendance and, and uh-huh, CFL yeah. Uh, yeah. relevancy, right? Like everybody was talking about him. I mean, even even his old college is still talking about him, and and there's lineage there because his brother's down in the NCAA too, right? So and the BC uh, Lions that- and the BC Lions just sold just to their season ticket holders yesterday, Luke, ten thousand playoff tickets. They didn't do that because Vernon Adams got them to the playoffs. They did it because yeah, no. Nathan Rourke's coming back. Yeah, no, they weren't. They weren't doing it out there because uh, Joel Figueroa had a great year for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, and and I yeah, and, and you know I think that after that too, I mean even if it if, if it came down to it, um, I do think that Cam Judge deserves some uh, deserves some 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 respect and probably some consideration there. He's had a really good year too. Uh, they found they they really utilized his skill set well in Calgary. But again, yeah, I, I would I would I would take your side on that. I do think that uh, Nathan Rourke should should get it just because he's a needle mover in so many other aspects other than the win-loss column. And now I'm not going to totally blame the Riders coaching, game planning, or anything like that, but Kean Schaefer-Baker could have been used way more. He was on a heater, then he went away, and then when the season was on the line, they decided to find him again. He could have been, he could have had Curly getting numbers or better. Yeah. Uh, You know, I... (laughs) I'm not sure if I want to use them more or I just don't want to use them the way the writers use them. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that that's my mean, right? I think I, uh, and I guess I was, I was, uh, I was one of the guys that, that was really sort of questioning the strategy every time he was in the backfield because I have a defensive mind and it was really predictable when he got anywhere close to the tackle box, right? He wasn't in there blocking. He was in there and, and probably, 85% of the time he was going to get, end up in the ball with, or with the ball in his hands. And, and I think that if, if you were just going to try to get the ball in his hands, there were a lot more ways to do that other than putting him in the backfield. I mean, we, we've seen the success that Debo Samuel and Corderell Patterson um, have had in the NFL. There's, there's been some guys that do it in the CFL. But, again, I, I think that they could have been more creative um, in the way they used him. So, mm. yeah, I think that for me it's not – getting them a lot more. It's just not using them the way they did. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the outstanding defensive player for the Riders is Darnell Sankey. He was also the MOP. He won't get the MOP, mm-hmm. but I think he should get consideration out West for the nominee. I think his biggest challenger will be Sean Lemon, who had 13 sacks so far and had, I think, mm-hmm. led the league with five forced fumbles. Sankey yeah. with 115 tackles right now or or Lemon? Who do you think gets it in the West? Well, I- I, I think it's going to be Lemon because, because Lemon, A, not a lot of people are talking about Lemon because I don't think they're not, 
and and this is just me. This is the way I see it. I like Sean Lemon. I don't think a lot of people like Sean Lemon for some reason because the numbers that he's pulled up this year. I mean, we should be talking about him a lot more than we actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for some reason we're not. But it's always been like that with him, especially over the last couple of years. People have just been sort of writing him off every single time. And all the guy does is put up numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And Sean Lemon puts up numbers. So I will say that. And plus. Realistically, Baldy, he's on a winning team. Like, you got 115 ta- defensive tackles on a team that really didn't do anything else, right? And, and probably on a team where their defense was on the fl- a field a lot more than they probably should have all year, right? So, yeah. so I think that, I think that if, the, if, if, if it goes one way, I think it drops in Sean Lemon's hands, or at least it should, just because, again, he's, he's, he's been consistent. And uh, the numbers are always there for Sean Lemon, despite for some reason, real apprehension to talk about him. Yeah, in fact, Luke, you're right. 29 tackles, 14 sacks, 5 forced fumbles. I think it's because, let's be honest, guy's been a bit of a goofball and a clown show. In a lo- that, Listen, numbers don't lie and resumes don't lie either. When you bounce from team to team to team to team to team, there's a problem and it's generally yeah. you. But he's kind oh, of... He's, I, I, I totally agree with you. He's kind of matured now, though. Uh, like, like, let's be honest here. Last time we saw him last year, he punched Duke Williams in the face at the end of the first half, and that could have cost his team. That was a contributing factor to his team not advancing in the playoffs. I was actually shocked he's back with the Stamps, uh, but he's had a good year. You're absolutely right. So here's a question for you. Does Lemon get it if, if Luke has got the final vote, or does the guy in Ottawa, Lorenzo Malden the fourth, who plays on a crappy team, but... Yeah, no, I'd still give it to Lemon. 40, because, 41 I mean, tackles, 16 sacks to lead the league on a crappy team. Like the, That shows yeah. me that a guy didn't give up. No, and, and, and rightfully so. And you, and you wouldn't expect a guy to give up who, who's being show, coached by a guy like uh, Mike Benavides, right? right. Uh, you know, strategically, I've always had um, dis- disagreements with the way you know, Benavides schemes, but I've never, and nobody will ever, um, ever discount the fact that this guy, people love to play for Mike Benavides, right? So yeah. I think that that's sort of cut into their culture when, when you have a defense that's led by him. But yeah, again, you know, um, I, would, I, would, I would probably look at, amount of reps i just i figure that sankey and maldine were probably out there a lot more or a little bit more than sean lemon right yeah, yeah. and uh and and he's doing it on a team that is that is playing at a high level and has a chance i think that if there's, if there's anybody who dethrones the uh the winnipeg blue bombers this year i don't think it's bc i think it's calgary oh wow i think it i think it's bc but that's very interesting i know calgary's played them pretty tight and we get into that talk next week okay lastly yeah. from a rider standpoint we had him on the show after the game and we were talking about him getting paid i think it's um mario alford against chandler worthy the guy that supplanted him in Montreal and made him expendable, and I think Alford wins the thing. He he's been the most dynamic special teams player. Yeah, I I I, I didn't even think there was a doubt. I I just figured we would just say that. Mari Alford, shoot, without him, things were really bleak here, right? Like, yeah. The, and it and it and it's nice because again, that's one of the few decisions that nobody's going to argue with when it comes to the front office. But when you talk about getting a guy for a specific reason, and then him going out and doing exactly why you got him, right? Like, it doesn't happen like that a ton. And so, and so I, I, really, I really enjoy and, and again, history-making, right? People, people in the Canadian Football League, this is a historic league, right? We always, 
we always want to fall back on positive um, um, footnotes in the history of the CFL. And Mario Alfred's story about his return touchdowns is phenomenal this year. Yeah, it was. He's the only guy, fifth guy in CFL history to have a punt return, missed field goal return, kickoff return for a touchdown in the same season. 90 seconds or less. You're on a plane going to London, England to play a game. If your quarterback is doing calisthenics and running up and down the the aisle, are you going to clothesline him and punch him out like Russell Wilson was doing with the Denver Broncos on the flight? <laughs> no, I'm just going to be like, yo, watch out for this guy. You know, like, I, like, like, what a, like, come on, bro. Four hours, really? Just sit down, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, my it's, God. It's just, it's just, it's like he's trying to ostracize himself from the, CL, from the NFL right now. I, yeah, I, again, man, that's $250 million right there flying around doing calisthenics in the middle of the aisle while the first class um, stewardesses are trying to hand out wet towels, right? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, I'm driving to Calgary, so you get my rap, okay? Yeah, I know. I don't don't tell anybody though. I don't want them to like not put that that uh, that snack box in the middle of the seat to, to count. I want them to count you as here, so I can make sure that 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 snack box uh, lands in in our row. Well, remember, Luke. But remember, Luke. None of it happened unless you make a social media post. So I want to see that tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you okay. I'll, I'll make sure. To say, well, you know what? I mean, it's a one-hour flight, and I plan to do knee-ups for at least 30 minutes of it. <laughs> Take know, care, buddy. Young bucks where it's at, you know? See you in Calgary, buddy. Take care. All right, brother. Drive safe. Yeah, I will. All right, that's uh, Luke Molitor joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, press coverage with Glenn Suter. We'll hear from the Jake Goddard nominee from your Rough Riders, Dan Clark. It's the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzing, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. I've been on the phone with Nathan Rourke just doing some texting back and forth because we struck up a friendship. And he said, man, I'm ready to go. I am truly back and ready to go. So that is outstanding. He'll probably go a quarter. And then, uh, and then, you know, just to bang off the ring rust and everything like that. But he is back, and it's a remarkable story. Yeah, he's back and uh, apparently has looked great in practice. Uh, I had a great talk with him this week, too, uh, Ballsy, and I I felt the same sort of enthusiasm and relief from him. Uh, you know, he, he, he probably plays a quarter or maybe even less. I, I talked to Coach Campbell about it, and he said that, you know, he mentioned the quarter, the first quarter, but if he looks pretty good and he's seeing it and he gets a couple of drives going right out of the gate, then he probably – won't see the rest of the game, and they'll put in Vernon Adams. So, uh, But great to have him back. He's real excited about being back. They also will get Lucky Whitehead back, Brian Burnham for the playoffs, not for this game, but for the playoffs. And Boom Guachum on defense also returns for this one against Winnipeg. All right, so um, the uh, the team's nominees are out. Uh, Kean Schaefer-Baker's the outstanding Canadian. That's great. Uh, I'd probably put him at three in the league off the top of my head. I'd probably put Cameron Judge at two, at least out of the West. But the outstanding Canadian in the league is Nathan Rourke, and I don't give a crap if he only played to mid-August. Yeah, it's it, this is going to be a sort of a personal thing for voters. It just will be. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think you could have a guy that was 
just, you know, the wow factor was so high with him in those first nine games. I mean, on pace for a 6,000-yard season. That that hasn't happened since, I don't think, since Doug Flutie did it when he had four or five games that went into overtime and all of those yards counted on his total to get to 6,000. And he was on pace for that and was cruising to it when he got hurt. Um, so, I, you know, I'm leaning that way too. Uh, you know, when it comes to Cam Judge versus a Keon Schaefer-Baker, if, if there are voters that say, Nope, he didn't play the full season, so I'm going to go to the guys that play the full season. Again, very personal decision for the voters. So if they go to that, then Cam Judge, to me, gets into a little bit of trouble because, as you know, history dictates that if it's an offensive player versus a defensive player, guess who's going to get the nod for most people? The guy with all the stats, the guy that scores touchdowns, the guy that does that stuff. He's going to get the votes, not the guy who makes tackles, sacks quarterbacks, and tries to scoop up fumble recoveries. That's it. Just I don't like it that way. I think Cam Judge is is worthy of the of being the guy. I just history has taught us anything. It's that they're going to go offense if it's even close. Yeah, no, that that's that's true. The only thing I would say is Cam Judge is making the playoffs, and Schaefer Baker isn't. What about Nick Dembski in that discussion? Too? Yeah, no, Nick, yeah, no, so Nick Dembski. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nick Dembski's a stud. But then if you go further out east, Curly Gittins Jr. is their best receiver. Like Dalton Schoen is the best bomber receiver. He'll be rookie of the year, and he's the best bomber. He's the best receiver maybe in the CFL in terms of yardage. But Curly Gittins Jr. is the best receiver in Toronto, and you wouldn't have thought that at the start of the year. Agreed. So if you're if you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, so Curly Gittins is is both of our he he will be my vote. He's your vote. Yeah. Uh, he's a finalist out of the East. So who does he go against? Nathan Rourke, and then what do you do there? Or does he go against uh, Nick Dembski? Nathan and, Rourke. You know, again, I, I, take the games out of it. Take the games out of it. this. Is when you can't be. I'm not saying you, but this is when you can't yeah. be stupid. Who is the most outstanding? If if you sat in a room and pull, take the games, take everything out of it. Who's the most outstanding yep. Canadian this year? It's Nathan Rourke by a long shot, and I would give him serious consideration for MOP too. He won't get it, but. Come on. He changes that. I'll tell you what. The BC Lions have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers sweating right now, and you know it. And and you know what? You and I are on the same page. You are on the same page. I mean, he was that good. I, all I'm saying is he, he is, you know, we, we easily in the sports world across our country will talk about a, a guy like, you know, Connor Bedard and say he's world-class and that he is a generational player. Right. We'll, we'll say that, we'll say that without hesitation. And yet we somehow have to wait until Nathan Rourke wins two great cups and then maybe even a Super Bowl before we give him the same designation. I, I've, I have seen enough in nine games to say that Nathan Rourke is a generational player and that's, that, you know, falls right in line with your argument. Okay, but wait a minute. I'm going to tell you why. I'll give you the. I'll give you the uh, the Ben Matlock case closed. Okay, in my in my tacky, boring gray suit. Okay. <laughs> okay. The BC Lions 
in a market where they don't sell tickets, sold 10,000 tickets for the semifinal in one day, and that didn't happen because they made the playoffs and Vernon Adams is the quarterback. That happened because, hey, Vernon Adams helped them, but they made the playoffs, and Nathan Rourke's coming back. Case closed. Yeah, no, and if I was the judge, I would say it is the case closed because you're right. This has got... That province is buzzing right now. They're going to open up a few sections in the top, uh, on the top deck. They're going to have over 30,000. And that, that 10,000 in one day that you just mentioned, that was season ticket holders only that got the free day before it goes, they go on, uh, sale to the public. So that happens, I think that happened today, as a matter of fact. So who knows what the number has got to already. Uh, the city is real excited about it. You know, the Canucks are going in a very different direction. So it's, and, and, and you know, and I don't know if we've mentioned this on the cage, but the Seattle Seahawks did a fantastic yes. thing by, by mailing out to their season ticket holders for the Seahawks that if you wanted a discount, there was a, a promo code to get a discount on BC Lion playoff tickets. Watch the Lions in the playoffs. Come down and watch us, the Seahawks, on Sunday. You can do both. And you can enjoy both. And good for the Seahawks and good for Amar Doman to to foster that relationship because we can sell football in general. And and those are two close teams in different leagues that can be promoting each other. We don't have to fight there. I love it. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Hey, Kerry Price did a nice interview with The Athletic talking about his alcoholism and you know how it affects First Nations communities and everything like that and how he wants to come forward. But in his interview, I don't have it in front of me, but I read it a couple of times, so it's not going to be word for word. But basically, he talked about the stress that athletes are under, especially today in the social media world and everything like that. And they say they block it out, but there's really not a lot of ways to get rid of it, even if you don't have an account. So, you know, it's interesting because this is from a grizzled Hall of Fame type of goalie. And I just thought of my, our own guy, Cody Fajardo here, and some of the things he's dealt with and, and, and some of the things that athletes deal with. We don't treat them like human beings. Like last year, Nick Marshall had a terrible year by his standards, but his brother got shot and killed before the season. Like there are things that these guys go through that we really don't understand sometimes. Look, Tom Brady. Tom Brady sucks this year, and part of it is he's going through marital difficulties. Yeah, yeah, no, and and they are, and these guys are human. I mean, and they go through ups and downs. And this this goes back to the overall big picture, Michael. Of you know, don't don't judge somebody that you don't know. Don't don't look across in a football game or on stage at a at a Broadway show or you know whatever it may be that you're watching someone perform and just assume because you know him as a quarterback that you know him personally and you know his struggles. And that could be the same for anybody you see in the grocery store or, or wherever they may be, that if you look at that person, don't, don't make judgments because you don't know his journey or her journey. You don't know their story. And until you do, it's uh, totally unfair to make judgments. I, you know, the world of social media for performers, athletes, politicians, doctors, I mean, politicians know what they're signing up for, but it doesn't excuse bad behavior at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I hope that as time goes on, when it comes to social media, we, we start to amp up regulations and, 
you know, that that you could uh, essentially sue someone for defamation if, if it was on social media. Because at this point, it's just such a free-for-all where people can say and do and even threaten at times without ramifications. And, and that's just too far. So I totally get it. It's hard to manage. I think your team and teammates, you have to lean on them. Um and, and your family and, and try to, you know, mitigate the damage that social media can, can make. Hey, lastly, Glenn Suter, what, what's it like playing in a game like this when it doesn't mean anything in terms of up and down? Like, like how, just how tough is it to go into a game like this for the riders I'm talking? Yeah, it's, it's something that you, you know, you fight against because you're, you're so, I think it's more the disappointment angle for the riders than it is, you know, the the Riders are going to play a playoff team. They're going to play Calgary. Calgary, their challenge is, you know, you don't want to think, I don't want to get hurt, or I don't want to tweak my hamstring. Um, because the moment you start thinking that, I, I saw a great speaker one time say, the mind will take the negative word out of your sentence when you're talking to yourself or you hear your own voice in your head. The mind will take the negative word out. So it, when you say, I don't want to get hurt, it'll take the word don't out. And guess what you're left with? <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 that's the challenge for Calgary. The challenge for Saskatchewan is, is fighting through the disappointment and playing your best football. Uh, when, when, the, when the game is kicked off, you're going to compete. I mean, the guys in a one-on-one shoot-around in a basketball court will compete like their life depends on it for bragging rights amongst teammates. So when you get out there and you're trying to lock down a receiver as a DB or you're going up for a pass in a 50-50 ball, you're going to battle for that ball the same way that you would. But it's, it's going into the game, getting yourself prepared to play as fast as you can so you don't get hurt or injured is the challenge, and for Saskatchewan, it's fighting the disappointment of a lost season. Well, I love the CFL, so I can't wait uh, for next week for you and me to get going and get our juices going for the pregame and uh, everything like that for the playoffs. Okay, Glenn, thanks for this. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Michael. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And welcome back. Our... uh, Sports Cage Sports Ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. NFL game tonight, it's Tampa Bay hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Bucks are 3-4. and four. Ravens are 4-3. and three. To the NHL, where we got a bunch of games on the go. The Edmonton Oilers are uh, going to take on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight in a game about to get started. Wild lead the Senators 2-1 after the first. Habs over the Sabres 1-0 after the first. Elsewhere, Bruins lead the Wings 1-0. Flyers and Panthers are tied the two Leafs are at the Sharks a little later on, and the Jets are in Los Angeles to play the Kings. This guy's going to be playing in his 100th career, well, it's his 100th career start for the Rough Riders. I'm assuming he's going to start at center. He missed a lot of the year with a broken leg, but he was named the Jake Goddard Award nominee for your Rough Riders today. That is for community service. Let's hear from Dan Clark. I'm with a pretty good group class of guys, and especially the guys that have won before. It's just a representation of who you are and what you mean to a club, um, and I uh, feel very honored to get that, that chance to represent the club. Earlier this season when you were coming back from injury, you said this is one of the toughest ones that you've come back to. Look at the struggles that we've had mentally, and then you look at uh, the rehab that may have been uh, day-to-day, the, 
the boringness of doing the same exercises for what felt like weeks on weeks and weeks and uh, having that chance to be able to kind of put good weeks on top of good weeks and top of good weeks and then maybe take a step back it's very frustrating um, and then finally being able to be in the underwater treadmill and be able to start moving and be able to start do things that I, I was normally used to was uh, a chance for me to hit the hit the ground running and be in a positive light about it. What does it mean to you to not just do all this community work but do it in your hometown your home province be able to give back to this place uh, i think it you know before just give somebody the opportunity to you know represent me with their their little kid but i think it's a shining light to both my children uh both kendall and cash have that opportunity to not only represent what a province means to them but also you know their dad did it it's an opportunity to uh, maybe set the future better for them is there something with the writers who established this for you when you came in uh you look at you look at the group all across you look at the veteran leadership we had weston uh Jeremy's participation in the in the community um, at the time. Neil Hughes. You look at uh, everybody gets laugh. Um, Scott McHenry. It was a chance. Luke Mullender to be able to put together what was to be a Saskatchewan rough rider and represent uh, a club that means so much to us. I also think you benefit from because you came, you're pretty shy when you came into this league. Yeah, I guess I was a rookie and I, I knew what to do and I knew what to say and that was nothing. Just <laughs> to mind my business and uh, do come in and do my work daily. So. But as you got more involved, as became a better speaker, you became a better, you're more comfortable with being in the role, I think. I think I felt more confident in who I was and being finally be able to play football and represent not only the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on uh, plane-wise, but also be represented in the community, giving that chance to be able to step out of my shell and be who I am around people. Dan, when you say that you've learned from these veterans when you came in, what does it mean to you now to be this veteran and see the knowledge that you're passing on to these young guys who are now going out and being active in the community? Absolutely. I, I tell no matter what, if they're first round draft pick to an unsigned free agent. Uh, if you have that opportunity, if someone asks you to do anything for the club, you go out there and do it with a, you put your best foot forward. You don't know if you're representing your brand uh, out in the community. So if you have a chance to be able to build your brand on top of the rider's brand, it's a chance to be in a lifetime to be able to be in the community. When you're speaking, do you got any particular advice that maybe that only transcends to rider fans, but just to like any other regular kid out there? Uh, control what you can control. If you can't, uh, if you can't, if you can't control it, you can't. Don't have the opportunity to let it affect you in any way. Just, just keep going. Um, I've survived 100% of my worst days, and I'm doing great. And if, if I can do it, I know I, a lot of the time we represent, um, you know, all-star athletes and just athletes in general. But we're just normal people. I'm just a kid from Saskatchewan that's had an opportunity that a lot of people, if they put that hard work and dedication into, they can make it too. What's the future for you, Dan? Are you signed for next year? Uh, I'm not signed for next year, and I have not had those discussions. Uh, just looking to get past Calgary. Damn. Um, it, it feels great and coming back from the injuries of you know what it's it's a huge achievement for myself um, especially put my age into that talk um, but it's been disappointing uh, it's been something that I I didn't want to put out what I've put out there um, and I definitely need to be better for this group and I need to be better for this team what's your thoughts on Logan Furland getting recognized as the team's most outstanding offensive lineman uh, I am beyond proud of that young man um, and a lot of people may look at it as why does the Saskatchewan Rough Riders deserve even to have a most outstanding lineman it's because that man puts in a lot of work that people doesn't see. This young man is 24, 25 years old to be able to have that opportunity to come in this building 6 a.m. before a lot of people are even in this building that should be in this building. It's something that shines to who he is and what he is about. And doesn't matter, the, you know what, the ups and downs we had, we're still proud of each other. Can you take us just inside the room? And Logan Furland kind of said yesterday, you guys worked your tails off this year and just just a struggle though yeah absolutely you look at it um, I don't think there's an opportunity there well I don't think there's a 
I don't think there's another um, position in sports or being able to be a football player that is scrutinized by no matter who you are and what you do. Um, and you know what? We sign up for that and we, we should be able to wear that. Um, but you know what? That group has stood behind each other no matter what. We've had that opportunity to sit down and talk and you know, no matter what, we keep working. Um, the days that we don't want to be here, someone picks it up and we work our tails off as best as we can. It gives us that opportunity to continue to put our best foot forward and be able to still represent. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. Coast to Coast brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions with Brian Golly. Be smart with your money, and the way to do that is get a hold of our friend Brian Golly. Hopefully the three of us, Arash, can sit down, break some bread during Grey Cup Week. It's going to be fun to uh, sit down with you face-to-face. Okay, so let's get the World Series, and you pointed this out to me. The World Series has never started on a Friday. That's interesting. Ever. Yeah, ever. And this year it is... And you know why, Michael? Because because, ma- because Major League Baseball wants nothing to do with going head to head with the NFL. No, and that makes perfect sense. But I got a bone to pick with you. I got a oh, bone okay. to pick with you. You told me the San Diego Padres will be in the World <laughs> Series because they're better. I will tell you this: uh, the Padres had a good season. I think their World Series this year was knocking out the Dodgers. Had they had Fernando Tatis Jr., they probably would have won the whole thing. But for that reason, I'm disgruntled. Fernando Tatis Jr. cost the Padres a World Series, and there's no guarantee they'll get back to that spot again. There isn't. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I also believe that the Padres need a little bit of an upgrade to their bullpen. Look, they brought in Josh Hader. He's been terrific. But I, I think if there's one thing we've learned in this postseason is that the deeper your bullpen is, the more, the better built you are for October success. And I thought the Padres were missing um, probably a piece or two. But yeah. just going back to the first point, Michael, like yeah. if if you're of a certain vintage, if you remember weird things like VCRs yeah. um, and cable television being novelties, and of course even before that, if you go back a generation or two, football scheduled around the World Series. Now it has completely flipped that baseball has to schedule around the NFL. And so by starting Friday, you have Friday, Saturday, so you avoid Sunday. You'll have to run into the Monday night, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in a 2-3-2 format, you avoid them on Thursday, and then game seven would be on a Saturday, so you avoid the NFL on Sunday as well. That's how significant a factor the NFL has become to any and all competition. I agree, and especially in this matchup, it's not a real sexy one with Houston against Philly. Like, only Houston is cheering for Houston, and everybody else in the world is cheering for the Phillies for obvious right. reasons. But there isn't that that uh, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Dodgers, even Dodgers, Astros with what went on before. There's not that. So well, I, the Cubs? The Cubs yeah, were a great story. Yeah, the Cubbies, Cubbies were a great story. Hey, you know who's... Uh, when he's on the field, he's great. When he's not, well, he's not. It's George Springer. What do you got with his news yeah. here? 
Well, I, I've been telling you for a while that his elbow hasn't been right. And, you know, Springer would always tell us, yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be fine. You know, I want to play through it. Turns out there were bone spurs in there. And that Springer this week went in for surgery, had it cleaned up. And the Blue Jays say he's going to be ready for spring training. Now, what does ready mean? That's going to be intriguing. Whenever you start talking about elbows and swings and throws and a guy who, you know, throws his body all over the field. But that elbow had been an issue, Michael, going back to June. Like, I remember we were in Chicago for a series against the White Sox, and Springer was just kind of flexing it and talking to Bo Bichette and just saying, this isn't right. And as the as that road trip moved on to Milwaukee, he sat out a couple of games, and he was in and out of the lineup throughout the season. I think he had one stint on the injured list. But that's what the issue was. That's what was bothering him. And I wonder how the Jays are going to handle it, you know, when spring rolls around and kind of leading into the season because they need him healthy. Okay, so Rash Madani joining us here coast to coast. He's covered all the sports, and that's why we love having him on here. We'll get back to the NFL thing in a second, but um, how about Philadelphia right now? The Eagles are undefeated. They just made a trade for <laughs> pass rusher Robert DeQuinn. Phillies yeah. in the World Series. Flyers with Tortorella getting off to a half-decent start. Phillies won it all back uh, just you know, before 2010 there. Can they do it again? I think the Phillies can. Now, the Astros are the overwhelming favorites, Mm -hmm. and it's tough going up against Justin Verlander. But there's enough pop in that Phillies lineup with Harper and with Schwarber and with Reese Hoskins, and on and on we can go through the lineup. I think there's enough there, Ballsy, where they could do it. Um, You're right. What a time. I don't know if you've ever been to Philly. or No, I haven't. For the, the listeners who haven't. So... They have a sporting complex. Effectively, it's a massive acres and acres and acres of parking lot. And it's Citizens Bank Field, the ballpark. Yeah. And beside there was the old Spectrum. Now it's the new arena where the Sixers and the, and the Flyers play. And beside that is Lincoln Financial Field. So all three of the major arenas in Philly, Michael, are basically right there side by side and exit off the highway closer to the airport than it is downtown. So as this thing goes on, just think of what a scene it's going to be around there. Now, Joel Embiid and the Sixers haven't won a game yet, but um, this is like over there at, at, you know, kind of stadium headquarters, it's going to be a scene. Uh, for the for the fans of Philly. Now I don't have the wording exactly correct, but the sentiment is the same. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, billionaire, when talking yeah. about the NFL a few years ago, said, uh, "When pigs get too fat, they get slaughtered." So here's my thing: Could the NFL get too big and hurt itself? Yes. The easy answer is yes. And you're saying to yourself, well, wait a minute. How could that be? You know, uh, 15 years ago, the Minnesota Vikings sold for $680 million. And just a few months back, the Denver Broncos sold for over $4 billion. How could it, you know, there is nothing not named, you know, Google yeah. that has that kind of valuation increase. 
but Michael, my my thing when it comes to sports, especially, it's don't bite the hand that feeds you. What's always worked in football is, you know, I'm talking about the United States here. Friday nights were reserved for high school. Saturdays were college. Sundays and then Monday night became the pros. And then they started adding Thursdays into the mix, which kind of, you know, collided with, with college, but, you know, they weren't, they weren't the marquee games. Now the NFL is getting greedy. Now the NFL's added a Black Friday game for next year. Now the NFL's infiltrating into Saturdays more and more later in the season. The NFL has effectively said, we don't care if, if we're going to go up against college because we're going to get more eyeballs than college. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But what makes the NFL great in the off season is all the lead up to the draft. If you and I aren't following college, if we're not following these prospects, if we don't remember the Alabama running back from their game against Georgia, if we weren't watching the Tennessee Alabama game, that was crazy 55, 52 back and forth. Are we getting a little too big for our britches? I, I wonder about that. Well, mom always um, mom always used to say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes that's why even a, a show like the Sports Cage that features a rash Madani, even we only have a rash on two times a week, and we take the weekends off. You know what I mean? Like you have a I little do. break, right? You got to have a little break. I agree, and I understand. Here here comes the issue here is that there's old school owners and new school owners. Jerry Jones in 1989 bought the Cowboys for under $200 million. Crazy. The Hunt family has owned the franchise in Kansas City forever. They bought it for like less than $100,000. Same with the Steelers. But then you have David Tepper in Charlotte, North Carolina, who spent closer to $3 billion for the franchise than two. You have the Pagulas in Buffalo who spent north of two. You have the Walmart group in Denver. The Waltons paid, like I said, over four. When you spend that kind of cake, you're saying, hold on, I need some, I need money and I need it now and, and let me, you know, let me make my benefit off of my investment. For the old school owners, they don't care. They've made their money and then, and then some, and they know the franchise valuation is waiting for them down the road. So for every Robert Kraft and, and Jerry Jones, there is a David Tepper and Terry Pagula. For every Lamar Hunt, there's, yeah, you know, the Walton family. Mm-hmm. And this is where this is going to get really interesting because you, you can't play, you cannot play pro football seven days a week and keep the novelty going. No, 100%. And so they're, they're about to find out what the balance is. All right, one week left in the CFL season. The playoffs are on the horizon. Um, let's talk about what's going to happen this offseason. One thing I wanted to get to, you have to have a freeze over the Grey Cup in terms of hirings and all that type of stuff. So, do you anticipate teams will get down to it before the Grey Cup, or is that when all the chin wagon starts happening here, and what do you anticipate happening here? Well, I mean, let's do some math here. Um, The season ends, what, October 29th-ish? Yep. Um, I, I don't foresee Ottawa hiring 
making a decision on its head coach in the first week of November. I don't. And then you get in the playoffs, and I think you just kind of let things go. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of scuttlebutt, Michael, at Grey Cup. I think there's going to be a lot of conversations. I think you're going to hear a lot about, you know, so-and-so spoke with so-and-so. But here's what I'm led to believe. I, what I've been told is, is that the players in Ottawa really like, really respect Bob Dice. They have for a while, and then especially with him coming in as head coach. My sense on what's happening in Ottawa is that effectively there are three main candidates coming out of the gate. It's Dice, it's Mark Washington and Hamilton, and it's Kahari Jones. That's my sense on kind of what's going on there. So I, I would say if, you know, if you're going to say who are the favorites today before the season's even over, it's those three. And based on that, I would think Dice has the upper hand, but who knows until the process gets going. All right. And lastly, the elephant in the room we've kept bringing up every month or two still exists when it comes to the most successful coach in the CFL over the past few seasons. That's the big elephant in the room, right? Isn't it amazing that Mike O'Shea's contract is up at the end of the year and it's barely a talking point? Yeah, like, uh, I, is it is it because he said, I'm not interested right now, we didn't get it done, so let's wait? Is it because he doesn't get along with the people above him and he wants more control? What is it? Or does he want his dream job, the Argos job? I, again, this is unlit. I think Mike O'Shea is going to sign in Winnipeg long-term after the season. You think Calaro signing helped that out? Not that, like, the Calaro signing to me is, I think Zach and Mike have a good enough relationship where if O'Shea was going to be leaving, not that Caleros wouldn't have signed the extension, but it wouldn't have been as automatic. Um, I think the Calero signing to me indicates Mike O'Shea is not going anywhere. I think they got a good thing going. It's a much more friendly and cordial uh, partnership than Brady and Belichick. But look at the success those two had all those years. I think Mike's going to sign a long-term extension. And if the Bombers win the Grey Cup, and who knows what's going to happen next month, maybe winning three in a row, Michael, gets you even an extra year of security. Maybe that's a four-year or a five-year deal, an unheard-of deal. Look, if if Zach's getting guaranteed money in 2024 or 2025, whatever it was, why wouldn't Mike O'Shea? Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. We're talking a few years ago about a guy that had to win a game at Taylor Field, and if he didn't, he was going to be fired. His job. He was going yeah. to be fired, and now he's the greatest thing since Wally Buono. Anyway, thanks for your time, Arash. I appreciate it, man. Always good, ball. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Got a great text here uh, coming in on our text line, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Tim from Moose Jaw, I bought Great Cup tickets a couple of months ago and won't be selling them just because the riders won't be there. I still love Canadian football. Regardless, it'll be a great game. Let's all just hope the Bombers don't win. That's exactly it. Hashtag ABB. Anybody but Bombers. Hope it's Calgary. Eh, nah. I hope it's BC. BC or anybody out east I'll cheer for. 
well, no, I won't. I don't want Hamilton to win because I don't like Simone Lawrence. So, no, I don't want him to have any rings. He's been trolling Ryder Nation. So, I'll go with Montreal and I'll go with Toronto. Nah, I don't want Toronto because MLSC, they don't care about the league. So, no, I don't want Toronto. I'll go with Montreal and BC. That's it. That's it. If it's Toronto and Winnipeg, that would be the worst Grey Cup ever because I hate both those teams. Although I do like Josh Haggerty on the Argos. Not going to lie to you. I like Josh Haggerty, Regina boy. So I might cheer for Toronto. Also, Theron Churchill from the Rams on that team, offensive lineman. Okay, okay, I'll listen. I don't like Larry Tannenbaum and the MLSE arrogant guys who don't care about the CFL, but I do like Theron Churchill and Josh Haggerty. So, as you can tell, I got nothing planned for this last uh, portion of the show, so I'm just rambling here. But I'll go BC, Montreal, and uh, outside shot with Toronto. Anybody else? Calgary, eh. Winnipeg, eh, eh, eh. and Hamilton. That loser, Simone Lawrence, doesn't deserve a great cup. All right. Uh, this guy was a great addition to the Rough Riders. We talked about it earlier with Luke Molitor. If you missed any of the show, you can catch it in podcast form. Uh, he is our nominee for Special Teams Player of the Year, and I believe he should get the West nominee, and he should probably go against the guy who, oddly enough, uh, forced him out of Montreal, Chandler Worthy. You see, Mario Alfred got hurt, couldn't get back on the roster because Worthy was burning everybody, including the Riders, twice. Here's Mario Alfred. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing, man. I worked hard and um, to get to this point and just want to say thank you to um, my teammates and um, my guys who helped me out there on the field. You know, this is not possible to, without them, so um, I want to say thanks to them, too. Oh, we're returning that punt against Calgary. Did you have in your mind you were completing the hat trick finally? Even though we was down, it was like, what, 50 some seconds on the clock or something like that. And I just never quit and um, just show what I was what I was about and what type of player I am. So I knew I had it once I broke those two towels. It's, it's a huge accompl- accomplishment, I think. But um, I just go out and play ball. Is that something you're going to have to look at maybe more near the end of your career when you're retired? Just piggyback on Britain's question about the fact that you're only the fifth player in league history to do that? Yeah, that's, that's pretty. Pretty, that's pretty awesome, man. And um, like I said, I work hard and uh, grind it for for my time to come. And um, like I said, I stay healthy the whole season. I can be a pretty dangerous guy. So you had that one tough game against BC, where that issue of coming out of the end zone, but you were able to come back uh, the following game, return a punt back for a touchdown. For sorry, this field goal for a touchdown. Can you just talk about your ability to bounce back from that one tough game, the adversity you faced? and able to respond in a positive way. Oh, yeah. I think that was Toronto game, I think, right? Where I fumbled. Yeah. That's the one? Okay. Yeah, man, it just, you know, it happens. Football, the other guys across from us get paid, too. So, uh, you know, it's just how you come back and how you um, bounce back from those those type games. So, Ariel, there were some friendly chirps from Frankie, but I know that some of your other fellow special teams players, they're very proud of you. It was a unanimous selection as well. Just talk about that. Just kind of the support that you got from your riders teammates, especially jumping in week six. Yeah, man. Like I said, I can't thank them guys enough. And um, like I said, it wouldn't be possible. It'd take all the 11 other guys to help me do what I do. So um, hats off to them, and I and I love them guys and uh, love battling with them, so I appreciate them. This might be tough to answer, but do you have a favorite return from the season? Uh, <laughs> Can you pick one? The, the fav- I think it was this last one. It was just how it happened and never gave up. Broke two tackles at the end. I was so tired, but I think this last one was my favorite. It's interesting on this trade that you and Chandler are both nominated for special team players. 
Oh, I didn't know he was nominated. Uh, I just know the guys on the west side, but um, that's good. He's a great guy. He's a great player, and uh, much luck to him. I wish him the best. So he's a he's a great returner too. So Mario Alford probably will go up against Chandler Worthy for that award, as you heard there at the end. Wishing him well. Buccaneers and the Ravens, three nothing Ravens after getting a field goal and a muff punt type of situation. Ravens got a field goal. They're leading, but Tampa Bay's moving down the field after Tom Brady threw an interception, but D backs are receivers that can't catch, and the guy dropped that in the secondary, the rookie corner wearing number 44 for the Ravens. So right now Tampa's moving down the field, matriculating the ball down the field, and they'll win because I picked Baltimore to win. So Tampa will win. Uh, by the way, Mike Evans, who was at the center of attention last week because he dropped a, t- a sure touchdown pass, then going off the field was seen on video, looked like he was signing an autograph for two of the officials. But he came out and said, no, 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 no. We were talking about uh, things, you know, like baseball. Yeah, baseball and golf. That's what we were talking about. That's what he was saying. Then they asked him what he signed. He goes, I didn't sign no autograph. What were you writing? I didn't write nothing. So, yeah. Because you know the NFL can't have that get out because then the betting world will be turned upside down. That NFL, we watch it religiously, but it is a shady, shady organization. Coming up tomorrow on the show, I'll be on the road going to Calgary, getting set for the last game of my first year calling Rough Rider football, their last game of the season as they had their final practice today. Tomorrow's a walkthrough, and then it's the Riders and the uh, Calgary Stampeders. A pass to the back of the end zone incomplete. Mike Evans couldn't drag his toe to keep it inbounds, but there is a flag down on the field to the Buccaneers in scoring position as they do some live play-by-play there of the NFL. Anyway, back to the CFL. So I'm going to be on the road. Brendan McGuire and Pete Pasco will be in here subbing in. Brendan does in the huddle for access. He's guested when Don Hewitt's been on here before hosting for me. I'd get Huey, but he threw his back out. And I'd get Zinger, because Zinger's not getting over COVID yet. So my buddy Nick Katchmar, the pride of our tuna, is going to operate the show for Pete Pasco and Brendan McGuire. If you missed any of the show, check it out in podcast form after wherever you get your podcasts. We usually post it on our Twitter feed at Sports Cage and on our Facebook page, but it's anywhere. Uh, Spotify, wherever you get your pod, uh, podcasts. Please like and review. We had a great guest list today, including Arash Madani, Farhan Lalji, um, that and so much more. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show tomorrow as well. We're going to hear from curling legend Michelle Englot, the SJHL commissioner Kyle McIntyre, Crystal Stoos. We'll talk about the Great Cup Festival. We'll hear from Scott McCauley as they tee up the PFC Championship. Scott McCauley, coach of the Regina Thunder. For my operator and great producer here, Nick Katchmar, I'm Michael Ball saying so long. And we'll talk to you Saturday from Calgary. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRA.